Featuring across a range of pop culture, including hit series Stranger Things, the timeless tabletop game Dungeons & Dragons celebrated its 50th anniversary this year. Known for its interactivity and role-playing, the game has attracted significant attention, showing a drastic increase in Google searches. But is it more than just a fantasy-based game? A number of industry experts suggest D&D can offer a range of therapeutic and pro-social benefits. But what can the game bring to therapy spaces for emotional health? And could it help people who are neurodivergent or living with disability? The Wire spoke with the lecturer of game design and digital media at the University of South Australia, Dr Susanna Emery, to find out more. When people think about D&D or Dungeons and Dragons, they think about people sitting around a table, maybe in costume, looking at dusty old books. That's not necessarily the case anymore. You can do that. We've got like online tools and systems that help us play D&D. What we're doing is we're engaging with these stories and working with a team to create our own new stories or our own experiences that happen outside of these story prompts. And that's based on discussions that we have and based on dice rolls. Dungeons and Dragons has soared in popularity, now attracting an estimated 50 million players worldwide. But over the past five decades, views of the game have varied. Once feared for its darker aesthetic, more recent years have seen the game in a new light, embracing the tabletop adventure tale for its pro-social and shared storytelling. In the 90s, 80s, there was a huge misconception or uprising problem where it was called uh, the D&D problem. People were seeing D&D as something that was like demonic or satanic or was causing issues with the youth. Thankfully, I think we've moved past that now Mm. and we can see that there's so many like pro-social benefits to playing together and to telling these stories and working with each other to create these really cool emerging narratives. Dr Emery says that TTRPGs like Dungeons & Dragons can be powerful in the therapy space, with recent research suggesting the interactive game can promote social growth in people who are neurodivergent or live with disability. I look at how games can help us kind of learn new things and actually change the world. So Dungeons & Dragons or TTRPGs, which are tabletop role-playing games in general, are really, really powerful in that space. Recently, we made a white paper where we looked at what was existing in the research in that area, looking at D&D uh, for neurodivergent people. And what we found was that, uh, well, there's not a huge amount of research in that area. There's significant research to show that it does have really positive effects. And one of the reasons that we think that that is, is this thing called social growth. It gives you an opportunity to engage with others in a context where you've got that storyline and you're working collaboratively. What we found was that, well, it's used quite often for neurodivergent social programs, what we found is those benefits actually extend to everyone. There's this thing called the double empathy problem. And it's essentially this idea that neurotypical and neurodivergent people struggle with communication only in mixed groups like that. Whereas when you put uh, neurotypical people in the same room, they communicate very well. And neurodivergent people in the same room, they communicate really well. But the problem just happens when we're all mixed up, like in the real world. One of the really cool things about D&D and TTRPGs in general is that you've got the opportunity to make groups that are mixed and have us exploring each other's perspectives and the way that we interpret different situations and respond to things in a safe setting, essentially, like in a role play setting. 
Over in Perth, registered counsellor Michael Keady uses Dungeons and Dragons during therapy-based programs. During these sessions, D&D creates a space for imagination to wander and social connections to cultivate. In a therapy setting, it varies from group to group. For a lot of groups, it's about the storytelling and bringing people together as a group of potentially peers, maybe even friends, and creating a space for them to express themselves creatively because of the nature of the game. What it also allows us to do is create game mechanics that educate and inform around mental health. And we've seen that play-based learning happens at a far faster speed than, say, like, learning for a lot of people. When I first started working with young people, I worked with a lot of people who don't work at their most comfortable in a traditional teaching environment. I work with a lot of like homeschooled people and with a lot of people whose neurotypes don't necessarily work with that kind of rote-based education that really allows people to create those connections quicker, which is why gamified learning, a lot of early learning is done through play and it happens so quickly. When it comes to therapy, a number of modalities exist, from play-based to more conventional. Keedy says different therapies benefit different types of people. Different types of therapy work for different types of people. The play-based, something that's fun, something that's interesting, is really helpful, especially for uh, teens or other young people who often, when they're sitting one-on-one with an adult, usually, it's when they're in trouble. So they're already entering into a therapy room with this headspace of if I'm sitting across from an adult one-on-one, it's usually when I'm in trouble at school. So it creates a more interesting, more engaging environment than just talking to an adult. From unearthing treasure troves to traversing fantasy worlds and dungeons, players are encouraged to adopt an imaginary character led by a game master and at times a roll of the dice. Dr. Emery says D&D highlights the value of difference. And when you play D&D, you create a character and that character that you create has unique things about it. So it might be really charismatic, it might be really, really physically strong, it might be really far. And you work in a team of others who have different strengths and different skills. And you'll find that as you work together as a team, through different points in playing the D&D game, through different parts of the story, you'll find those skills are valuable at different times. So it really kind of works to set this rhetoric in kind of the player's head that wow, like there's all these different ways of solving problems and we can see everybody's varied skills are valuable in different ways to our team experience in the game. And that carries on through life as well. While hosting D&D groups, Keedy says there has been a number of benefits for players, including people who are neurodivergent. It can create a safe space for people without social pressure. And when we look at you know, neurodivergent people, specifically autistic people or ADHDers, we see a lot of what's called masking, and that's pretending performative conformity. It can be very taxing on the autistic mind, the autistic experience. Creating this group of like people who they can enjoy some time with, they can let their hair down, and they can actually be themselves in a way that they may not get to in many or any other contexts. And that's a big part of what my groups are about, is giving autistic people or ADHD people, and at all neurodiversities, 
a place where they can come and have a peer group of other people who are just like them. Because I do occasionally work with people who don't have a group of friends at school or who don't have a group of friends like outside work. It creates a space which is very helpful. Shifting from subculture to popular culture, Dungeons and Dragons has become known for its fantasy world and community building qualities, with many across the globe joining groups online and in person to become part of D&D culture. Keedy echoes the important value of community focus. That has been satisfying to some people who don't always have a need for one-on-one therapy or they want a peer group as well as a learning experience. It is a very open and welcoming community. There are Facebook groups and gaming store groups, and there's people that would be very happy to accommodate a new player. And I meet more groups that are very happy to accommodate a new person. One of the really cool parts is the community it can bring you. If you can build the confidence to give it that first try, you're never going to be without a social group. Registered counsellor Michael Keady speaking with The Wire.